Hello my beautiful people, welcome to Stop Moaning with your host, it's me, Megal Trainer. Please like, share and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast, I know it ain't started yet, but get any head yourselves, why not? And while you're there, give us a five star review, will ya? Right, let's get on with it. Yes, hello and welcome to Stop Moaning with your host, it's me. Do I have to introduce myself? I don't know why I'm acting as if I've got a director in the room. I absolutely haven't, it's just me, myself and I, and you of course you my wonderful listeners so yes welcome to stop moaning um so first up i'm gonna talk to you about why why am i now doing a podcast and it will all make sense once you've heard the entire stories but i did dancing as a kid the dance school around here actually not that you know where here it is, but just go with it. There's this one particular dance lesson and I remember it because I remember feeling so crap. And I know it's like, you know, you're only three, four years old then. You're quite, you're young, right? I remember being in this dance lesson and everyone's doing their bits. And by the way, can we just talk about the uniform? Because oh my goodness, if that is not an ick, I do not know what is. We're wearing these shiny blue leotards with these disgusting, and I mean disgusting pair of like tight leggings but they were like stirrup so like they had like a hole where your heel would go and like your toes oh they were just vile anyway so I'm trying to do this dance class now I'm not gonna lie to you I didn't have a clue what I was doing and everyone else is just doing their thing or doing the right thing probably I got told to sit in a sit on a stool for the rest of the lesson I thought I'd get my turn um and I just assumed I would get my turn, you know. Um, maybe that's just how it works there. The reason I was put on this stall wasn't because I was waiting my turn. It was because I was deaf. No one knew that I was deaf. So I um, was sitting on this stall and I was having a great session of sitting uh, whilst everyone else was dancing. And obviously the teacher thought it'd be the best way for me to learn how to dance was to sit down. Fantastic work from the teacher there. Sitting on this stall, I don't think nothing's wrong. I think, do you know what, it's fine. I'll get my turn in a minute, any minute now. Any minute now. And that minute didn't come. My turn didn't come. After that, um, that's why we figured out I had hearing problems. From the ages, well, up until the age three or four, everyone just assumed I was a rude kid. Oh, yeah, that's just Meg. She's rude. She just ignores everyone. I had my hearing test done and stuff like that. And got hearing aids and I thought it was great fun because I got to have Mr. Men inside my moulds, like in my ear. I used to have different colours. I used to have sparkly ones. Um, I tried to make it as cool as I could. Um, because I hated wearing them and I also had a radio aid what a radio aid is is actually something like either someone anyone or in my case the teacher would wear around their neck and it's like a little box it's not crazy big um but it's big enough you know so anyway this box is around this teacher's neck and they have it on throughout the classes so different classes and stuff like that so I can hear directly that voice directly into my ears it's like essentially listening to music on your headphones you know how you can it's like that but the teacher's voice is delightful there is a plus side to this so when I was in school I wasn't ever really in the popular group I wasn't ever in the unpopular group I was sort of just friends with everyone um sort of just jumped from group to group and hoped for the best I wanted to be friends with everyone so I thought I'm gonna be the legend 
So I did. I took this upon myself. I was like, let's be the legend. And what I mean by this is we're in class, right? Now, the teacher, probably nine to ten times out of ten, they would forget they had a radio raid in. And oh, on, sorry. And that would mean that I could hear every single word that that teacher says, even when they leave the classroom. So I was having the best time ever because as the teacher left the classroom, you would have a whole, all the students come over. What's she saying? What's she saying? What's she saying? Come on, tell us, Meg, what's she saying? But I would just use it to my advantage and I'd just be like, well, she's saying, if you don't knuckle down with your work, you're going to be in detention for the rest of your life. Like proper sassy, because you know you've got to be. Oh my God, oh my God. So then I'm like, quick, guys, she's going to ask you about that homework that she set the other day or whatever. So they all had time to come up with their excuses. So I was a little golden child. I definitely was not little golden child. And I'm sorry, Dad, you're not going to like me for this. When I was doing religious education, so RE, for those of you that don't know, I didn't give my radio aid to the teacher. Instead, I decided to plug it into my iPod. She could do that. And I just listened to music. So anyway, that's that. I was having the best time ever. Also at school, I studied performing arts. So that is where my career kicked off. Whilst I was at primary school and secondary school, I was also doing dance competitions, not at that other dance school, because that was awful. After school, um, I went into college and I studied acting for two years. That was fantastic. Performed all the time. Um, it was easier with my hearing then because everyone, it was established I was deaf, you know, so everyone knew what to do as long as I could see your lips, you know, I can lip read and there's adjustments that can be made. It's harder when people don't know because like I said before, they just assume you are rude, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not rude. Then after the two years of studying acting, I then studied dance for a year because I wanted to be specialised in every part of dance, so not just street I wanted to be contemporary street ballet tap um modern all of that um and I was I was specializing all of them then so I could do all forms of dance all genres of dance say so after that doing that one year dancing so that was three years in college I started in the industry so I started off on holiday parks and my first ever job was away from home up north in sunny Yorkshire and it was the best time of my life I was there for two years I believe I did that for four or five years um so it being on holiday parks means you got to travel the country up and down the country so I was in Essex Yorkshire do you know what I mean so it was like proper up and down so then after that season was finished um it was Christmas time right I decided I'm gonna work in Finland as an elf and that's exactly what I did and I worked in Finland as an elf as a kids entertainer and I again had the best time it was I've never seen somewhere so picturesque 24-7 I've never seen that in my life never mind every day mind you there's not a lot of daylight in Finland I must say but it's just stunning like it's just beautiful beautiful so after working in Finland um over the Christmas period I then came back to the UK obviously and I went back to Yorkshire on the holiday parks so after that season I then went on to the cruise ships now being on the cruise ships I wanted to do this since I was a little girl and I have been auditioning for years prior to this into this and you're going for a goal or 
you've got a dream in your mind and you just think it's unreachable. It's definitely not. Dreams are not easy to achieve. And this definitely was not easy to achieve at all. Um, you know, I went for audition after audition. I went to this audition before I even went on to the holiday parks. And that's when they said I needed experience on, on like in that industry. So that's why I went on holiday parks. I did the steps I needed to take in order to get that dream job. So I got it. And I got it on exactly the right cruise line I wanted to go on. At the time, it was the biggest cruise line in the world. However, I did not enjoy it. And that was just heartbreaking for me because I'm thinking, you know, how how can I not enjoy this? Um, I've spent all my life dreaming about the time I walk onto that ship and, you know, perform or, you know, host a game show, whatever it might be. It's a single game show. In fact, I was just a sort of karaoke manager that was working more than I was actually travelling. Okay, I was physically travelling. I just felt like a mermaid in the sea. I wasn't actually getting off of the ship and it is not as glamorous as it seems. From the ships, um, I went back onto holiday parts, which was hard to admit I needed to do because I thought that that was me set then. I thought cruise ships then for at least five years. In fact, I thought I'd still be on them now. I went back onto the holiday parks after that I got diagnosed with something called hypermobile joint syndrome. Now, what this is, is where your shoulder dislocates, all your joints can dislocate at any given time. I can show you if you want. Good, isn't it? A condition that's never going to go away and it is painful. And anyway, so the doctors had advised me to stop dancing. I was like, well, no, I don't think so. So I decided the best thing to do is to carry on another couple of years. Always listen to the doctor's advice, that's all I can say. But the dancers out there will know. We're stubborn, okay? Okay, we'll just leave that there. So then after um, being told that, like I say, I carried on for another couple of years and then I stopped because I didn't not want to have any form of fitness in my life at all. At that time, I was weight training I was doing it on the ships um, and funny enough weight training actually really helps hypermobile joint syndrome because you're obviously strengthening the muscles and ligaments around your joints. So I knew that I've always wanted to help people like that's always been my calling so I thought I'm going to take this upon myself and qualify as a personal trainer. Now whilst I was doing a degree um, as a personal trainer and getting that qualification I was actually managing restaurants, working in restaurants, doing everything in between. And I loved it. And I thought it was a good time. Um, but I knew that that was not where I wanted to be in my life. That was going to be my next career was as a personal trainer and helping people the best I possibly could. I also got myself qualified in boxing, circuit training and spin as well, um, which also was great. So I was like getting pretty busy. So I'd landed a job in a gym in Covent Garden pretty much straight away after I qualified, which is pretty lucky. But at the same time, I was like, no, I've worked hard all my life. I deserve this. And the fact that I'd got a job in Covent Garden as well, like I've never worked up in Central before, like Central London, never ever worked up there. I've always wanted to because of the atmosphere. Mistake, by the way, because it costs loads, okay? Wouldn't advise it. Yeah, I've worked everywhere else in the world, but not actually where I live, which is in London, which is pretty bizarre. So anyway, I worked there for a wonderful, I think it was six, seven months, which was not my choice, can I just say, and we'll get into that. 
don't worry, I didn't get sacked. <laughs> Started this job in Covent Garden. I was nervous, as expected. It's a brand new career. It's not something I know. I know a lot about fitness because at this point, I'd actually been weight training for about 10, 10 years, roughly. So I did have that to fall back on and I knew I was talking about. So when it came to clients and then wanting to change their lifestyle and stuff like that, I was a very holistic coach. It wasn't just your physical health I cared about. I cared about your mental health. I cared about, you know, everyday things. And I wasn't also the coach that told you to go balls to the wall no matter how you were feeling. If you were feeling crap and shit in yourself and in your head and you're feeling really low, I tell you to have a rest day. Or I'm going to tell you to just focus on your steps today. I found that I was really good in that way. So I know personally from my experience, there's coaches out there that will just push you regardless. And sometimes that's really good for people. But I found for me personally, it suited me to be a holistic coach because I could really just help others broadly. Like it wasn't just in fitness. Um, don't get me wrong, I was not the counsellor. Um, but all I'm saying is I was just a bit more sensitive. If you needed pushing, I would push them. And I was loving it. I was fully booked personal trainer. I was living the dream. And then my life completely changed overnight. She just come back from visiting my second family in Yorkshire. And I had a bit of back pain. And I thought, oh, maybe it was just from lifting. You know, I've been in the gym. I'm tra- I was training five or six times a week, right? up like normal was walking to the train station felt bit bit stiff in my back felt a bit painful nothing too crazy but uh, you know it's starting to feel a bit sore got to work and the pain was just getting worse and worse but by the minute it was progressively getting worse to the point where I was genuinely struggling to walk now when you join the gym well my gym anyway as an employee we all got like a free physio session and I hadn't used mine yet, thank goodness. Um, so I was like, I'm going to take mine now. So I went to the physio and this is where it gets a bit scary. So he literally said, you need to go to hospital right now. In fact, I'm going to call the hospital and let them know you're coming. And I was like, what? He thought I had something. I'm going to try and pronounce it because I will absolutely say it wrong. But it's basically a condition in where you go paralyzed. So I was then in my mind, I'm going paralyzed. How have I gone from leg pressing over 200 kilograms to now I'm going paralyzed? I was terrified. He was like, you need to go to hospital now. I managed, I don't know how, I managed to get to the train station And I was so scared because I had this knowledge in my head. I could be going, Meg, you could physically be going paralysed. Like, if I sit down on this train, am I physically going to be able to stand back up? I was terrified, like anyone would be. It makes me feel sick because I remember the fear so well. Anyway, I got to the hospital and then they sat me down and I waited A&E for 12 hours in a crap plastic chair now i am sorry if someone's got a bad back for one you do not sit them in a dodgy plastic chair right two if i'm going paralyzed or so they thought why am i not be seen with a bit more urgency so on top of me being on my own in this hospital thinking i'm going paralyzed with my hearing problem actually can't hear 
if they're calling me. So I can't put headphones in and watch something on my phone. So I'm literally sitting there for 12 hours watching the... Do- it was like I was watching, um, you know, that game as a kid and you've got like, the board and you're hammering... Um, you see the hippos? Or it's like an animal. It pops up and you have to hammer it quickly to go down or the moles or whatever it is. It felt like I was watching that because I was just watching every single door like profusely, like in case I missed it because... I was so nervous, I was so scared. They said within the second hour I was there that the chance of me being kept in was high. Okay, so why didn't you give me a bed? There at six o'clock in the evening and I didn't get a bed until 6am. In fact, no, I didn't even get a bed. I got another chair, but it was a comfy chair, so I suppose that's all right then. I had to go for all different scans like during this 12 hours because they were like, well, what's going on with this girl, right? How is she a personal trainer and she's in this pain? Like, And it's getting worse and worse, mind you. Just picture this, please, yeah? I, I've gone into this room and there's a male doctor there and he had to do a rectum examination. Now, if you've never had a rectum examination, I will explain it to you. It is when a doctor puts his finger up your anus it's not a pleasant experience that's all i can say right but this this was even heightened even more so i had a bloody audience and i'm not even joking i'm laying on this bed mind you it was hard enough as it is the bed and and i've had to lift my leg up this is like on top of me thinking i'm going blooming paralyzed i now have to lay with my back to three people not one three people so obviously as a male doctor i get that there had to be a female nurse and a student nurse. Oh, and another student nurse. There was four people in there watching me. Like, I'm laying on the bed on my side and had to lift my leg up and, oh, it was just horrific. Like, is it a theatre show, hon? Have you come to see a theatre or have you just come to see my bumhole? It's very weird. Very weird. Um, So I was waiting and waiting and waiting. Eventually got seen and I ended up being in hospital for a week. Um, Which is wild. Uh, food was crap, lost a lot of weight, we'll rhyme that up. And I got absolutely neglected. And when I say neglected, like, I would be ringing that buzzer for some more morphine. Nothing was cutting this pain, like, nothing. There was trying me on all different types of drugs. Morphine, um, cocodamol, anything and everything. The strong stuff, the weak stuff, mixed together whatever they could do nothing was working but the thing the issue was when i needed the morphine because that was doing something obviously it was just making me high but at least there was something going on you know <laughs> what was wrong with me how was i lifting heavy weights a couple of days before and now i can't even walk in fact i was in a wheelchair now if you're watching this on youtube i'll put a clip of me on the screen um and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, head over to YouTube and have a little look because I was amazing in this wheelchair and I actually think I could apply to be the fastest in a wheelchair. But no, honestly, so I was in this much pain. It just made no sense to me. So anyway, the week went on and I had some wonderful visits from some beautiful, wonderful friends and family. It was in a week. Nobody was telling me what was wrong with me. I was just sitting there. I knew I wasn't going paralysed, but we had to assume that because no one actually told me. I had to ask, am I going paralysed or not? And they're like, oh no. 
I had MRI scans, they came back normal. I had different scans going on. Nobody knew what was going on. I had clients the next day, so I had to call my boss and be like, listen, you're gonna have to cancel the clients. So it was just me and a whole load of old biddies, right, on this ward. Because I was so off my face on morphine, I thought everyone wanted to be my friend, including every single doctor. Now, my dad had come to visit me, so he's sitting next to me, right? You've got a picture of this, right? So he's sitting next to me. Um, I'm in a, up in a hospital bed, high as a kite off morphine, and this random doctor, honestly, never seen him in my life, random doctor has had to go past my bed, sort of move the, my curtain, so it looked like he was coming to see me, but he wasn't, he was going to see next door, which apparently was really obvious. I clearly didn't think it was obvious and just gone randomly out of nowhere, and the way I said it as well was just, I just literally went, Hello, who are you talking to, hun? My dad was beside himself. I was just sitting there like, whoa, what's the issue? I said, hello. But the thing is, there's an ongoing joke in my family that when I was a little girl, I thought, I didn't know how to make friends. So my dad used to always tell me, go up to um, someone, this is primary school, by the way, <laughs> not college, <laughs> last week, Um primary school and I used to have to go up to people and go hello my name's Meg do you want to be my friends that's how I was told to make friends so me saying hello to this doctor I think brought my dad back to that thing but we laughed so much because it was so random and the doctor's reaction was even funnier he just looked at me like hi (laughs) oh anyway there was positive things and there was also get this full-on band band on my ward like they started playing music i was like what's going on like there was full-on a woman singing with a guitar didn't know there was live music would have invited my whole family you know on the serious side of things i still didn't know what was wrong with me and this was just not okay i was really struggling i was surprisingly still positive really positive still so anyway it's time off work as well and i've just built my business up full time didn't know what was gonna happen it was time to go home finally and the doctors come round. i've gone okay so what's wrong with me you've got low back pain well no shit sherlock i knew that i could have diagnosed myself that and it was only because my mum said do you think it could be sciatica and they've gone yeah could could be a bit of that and that's what they wrote on my form sciatica like, what a way to diagnose someone. Like, it's shocking. I went home, still didn't know what was wrong with me. And luckily, praise the Lord, luckily, with my work, I got private healthcare for free. Honestly, it was a blessing. So I managed to get referred to a private hospital and I got seen pretty quickly and I saw a specialist. Now, this specialist uh, was a neurosurgeon, I believe. However, he told me that because my legs now started seizing and not just seizing like seizing up, they were seizure, like it was a full-on seizure, like my whole leg was going. And he told me that that was all in my head. And I'm like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, the pain, everything could all be in your head. Because he asked me beforehand if I suffer with anxiety and depression. And I said, well, yeah. How can it all be in my head? I love my life. I absolutely adored my job. I'd worked so hard to get there. You know, I was set. I was so happy in my life. Say it's all in my head. 
He didn't say it's it's me making it up. He he believed me. It wasn't that because I physically could not walk. Believe me, he would have just not referred me anymore. But he did. He referred me to a specialist in pain management because obviously we still weren't managing the pain. We weren't sure whether I was going to go back into hospital. My friends weren't anyway. They thought I was going to go back into hospital um, because the pain was just horrific still. I literally was not leaving this the bed. And I'll be quite fine. The pain is no better. And I'm in so much pain right now. But, you know, you get so used to it with chronic pain. You do just get so used to it, unfortunately. And this is probably the biggest day out I've had. And my bed's right there. <laughs> I'll day out for me. Like, I need to calm down. So anyway, um, I was referred to this specialist. Now, he's, he knew what he was talking about. And he took one look at this MRI scan and said, you have got a condition that usually, typically, happens to people aged 65 and over. Now, hearing that, I was like, so we were, come again? It's basically called multifocus fat infiltration. Now, what this is, is where my multifocus muscle, which is the muscle in your lower back, has degenerated. Now, when he saw it, it was grade three, three out of four. So it's severe. It's now four out of four. But it was three out of four when he saw me. So he knew it was severe. There's nothing you can do to reverse this. It's essentially where your muscle wears away. Like that muscle is no longer there anymore. All I can do and all I could do was strengthen myself. I was literally shaking like a leaf. Like, I'm in agony right now, but I am stronger now, if that makes sense. So, like, I was literally tremoring. What I think is so difficult is comprehending the fact that I have a condition that usually a 65-year-old would have, and even then it's rare. And the pain it's caused me is just bizarre. So where we're going from now is we know what's wrong with me. I had then been asked to go into hospital to have a couple of procedures done, which hopefully would have helped me my pain. Now, the first procedure I had was a diagnostic procedure, which it's where they put needles, only tiny needles, but lots of them into my back. And it was same day in and out but what what happens is they put needles each side of my back and it essentially it reacts with the nerve it would either really help my pain because they put it in a concentrated area or if it didn't then they'd know where that pain was coming from essentially so when I came out of that and I was still in pain I was distraught because I was so sick of being in pain. I thought, you know, if I could just have one of these procedures every few months, um, because I knew that I had this for life now. Um, But if I could have had one of these procedures every few months, fine. I don't care. Let's just get this pain away from me. Get it, like, leave leave me alone. Like, (laughs) this didn't work. So then I had to go back another few months later and have a different procedure, which was an epidural, uh, lumbar epidural, and that is your lower back which pregnant ladies you'll know what I'm talking about um, or people that have had babies you'll know what I'm talking about but it's basically a big ass needle that goes into your back it's not comfortable and it usually helps women uh, give birth like it helps with the pain and it's essentially meant to do the same thing just apart from the birth part to help me with my lower back pain again felt no difference whatsoever so the only option and um, there was talk about having me having the surgery 
Now, the surgery is, it's not a typical surgery you think of it is. It's actually a nerve stimulator. Now, this nerve stimulator is going to be, I'm going to be having this surgery now. And I'm going to be having it on NHS. Um, but I just have to, I'm waiting for the date. Um, coming up, I've got um appointment. And it's basically where I can see how this device works. So it's going to be a device about the size of a matchbox. And they're going to insert this into my back. There's going to be wires that are going to wrap around my spine. And then I'm going to have a remote control that I have to press one uh, twice a day for 30 minutes. And it sends the nerve signals up and down my spine. It's a pain management tool essentially but they're going to insert it into my back so that I've got that because I'm going to have this for the rest of my life so it's best to manage it in the best way we possibly can I can't be a morphine for the rest of my life I have the same specialist that I had when I was private he's also on NHS as a lot of them are but I am luckily still with him so he knows exactly what's going on I don't have to keep explaining myself but that's where we are and it's been a pretty wild journey and I have been told as well that I can no longer be a personal trainer. What is my purpose? You've taken dance, like life in general, it's taken dance away from me. It's taken, you know, personal training away from me. It's taken weightlifting away from me. Not saying I might not ever weightlift again, but I definitely won't personal train again. Now that's heartbreaking to me, truly heartbreaking. The fact that this can happen in such a short amount of time. And this is where the podcast comes in. Um, Stop Moaning. So the name of Stop Moaning came from... Well, it's actually one of my very good friends' um, idea. Um, but it makes sense. Because so, all I'm going to do is moan. Play <laughs> on words. But no, the whole idea of this podcast is not just going to be me talking about myself every week. I promise. Um, but obviously the first episode of each podcast is always going to be a bit of an introduction a bit of like why but I thought it was important for you guys to know my story before we progress anymore I will be getting different stories about people with different disabilities um and reading them to you and discussing them and so if you do have any questions or predicaments or dilemmas it's not just going to be about disabilities it can be about mental health it can be about relationships anything like that send them in on instagram it is at stop moaning pod to be a safe space for everyone to talk about anything and everything will be anonymous just so you're aware i'm not a counselor i am not a therapist but if i can help someone in some way i would love to give advice if i can Make sure you send in your dilemmas and I cannot wait to read them, hear them. But yeah, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining me. I'll see you again next week. Have a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Here it is. First episode over and out.